Welcome to the High on Life podcast, where it's all about empowering you with the medicine and the mindset to healthfully lose weight and thrive beyond the scale. I'm your host, Dr. Sasha High. All right, my friends, welcome back to the High on Life podcast. I am super pumped to be with you as always. And today we have a treat. We're talking all about sleep. And before you're like, yeah, 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 that's boring. I know sleep is important. I want to, um, I want to tell you that we're going to get some really practical strategies today because I think sleep is one of those things that we all know is important, but then we kind of like brush it off and we don't actually prioritize it. So I have Dr. Funke Afolabi Brown with us today, and she is an assistant professor of pediatrics as well as a board certified pediatric pulmonologist and sleep medicine physician. She helps children sleep better, breathe better, and by extension, she helps improve the sleep of their parents. In addition to teaching and seeing patients, Dr. Brown is a speaker and writer and the founder of Restful Sleep MD. She's passionate about educating and empowering busy women and their children on the importance of prioritizing sleep to achieve their optimal health and live to their fullest potential. Amazing, amazing. I'm so excited. So thank you so much, Dr. Brown, for being here today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here too. <laughs> yeah, so good. Okay. Well, tell us, like, how did you get into sleep and why sleep? Why are you interested in this? I, I know. I think, you know, I've, from medical school, right? From being a student, all we need to do and all I need to do was burn the candle on both ends and was exhausted. But, you know, kind of made it through, you know, got through everything. And then into training, it just didn't get any better, right? It's sleep always gets on the chopping block. It's never something that I could figure out how to prioritize. I knew, I knew the impact sleep had when I, if I don't sleep well, my decision-making was off. I was moody, I was cranky, but just kind of pushing along. Um, and then, you know, motherhood came and it was a whole beast of its own where not only can I not sleep, my child is not letting me sleep. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We can totally you know, relate. Exactly. And so, you know, and that was when I really started saying like this can't just keep going on and then you know I I went into pediatrics because I really wanted to help parents and help their children um, and then I, I I also did a um, I specialized in pediatric pulmonology because I was interested in just sleep this um, breathing disorders and that was when I started to see the link between if you're not breathing well at night if you have asthma or anything like that you're you're not going to sleep well and so I went into a training in sleep medicine, both out of just curiosity and out of um, a passion to just help kids improve their breathing when they're sleeping. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it opened me to this whole world of, you know, insomnia, narcolepsy, and all these other sleep disorders that we really, and sleep apnea, that we're not necessarily paying as much attention to for children. Um, and then, you know, I, I've kind of just narrowed my niche now to the point where I'm just really spending a lot of time helping um, children with their sleep. But then with Restful Sleep MD, what happened or what I started seeing was, you know, in my practice and in, in, in my hospital, I'm seeing those families come in, bringing their children, but the moms were exhausted. You know, mm-hmm. they can't, you know, it's all of life. It's the child and then everything else that they need to do. And so that's really then put me on this mission to empower moms. You can do it. You can prioritize sleep for yourself. I know that we're going to help your child sleep, but how about you? And so that's just really been my journey, just from a personal experience and really from from seeing what impact it has on on, on professional moms as well. So Yeah, so, so good. So like, 
tell us, I want you to give us this compelling argument for why we should actually start paying attention to our sleep. Because as I said when in your intro, like we all know, like, yes, sleep is important, but it, it doesn't seem to make it to the list when we're, you know, thinking about our day. And it's just so easy to put it off and not actually give it, you know, the importance it deserves. So why? Why is it that important? You know what? That is such a good question. I think the issue is that we, it's not, you know, when we, when we think about sleep, actually, sleep is a critical pillar of health, right? We're talking about maybe nutrition and diets, exercise, and sleep is really, really key for you to be able to, you know, metabolize um, food appropriately for you to be able to exercise and get the benefit of exercise. You do need sleep. Um, And I think it's also, you know, one of the limitations we're having is a mindset thing. Like, come on, you know, everything else is important, but sleep, you know, you feel like we can skimp on sleep. Yeah. But it, it has such long-term effects. You can actually see effects short-term, but then long-term you do see it impacting every area of your life. So this is something I feel that we do need to prioritize. One, because I feel like a lot of times we were taught that, well, sleep is just a cure for sleepiness. So if I can curb sleepiness, maybe right. I could... I right, get more, a coffee, bit of more coffee. Than I don't know, let me yeah, just yeah. get some more coffee and all yeah. that. And, and But the only thing is, it's not just a cure for sleepiness. It is something that we need for our brains to function well, for cleansing our brains of toxins that build up on the surface of our brain, like proteins and things like that over the course of the day. Um, you know, it's, mm-hmm. the, it's the impact that it has on our, on our function, on our metabolism, on our mood, on our memory, cognition, um, and our ability to make the right decisions. Um, it's all of that. And, and, and also it's for our wellness, right? Um, as part of self-care, it's really make, taking time to just be and sleep, I think is really important. Mm-hmm. And so there's the literature, there's the evidence that we have, even from, um, from so many studies that date way back, showing what the impact of sleep is on, on our physical, mental, emotional health. Yeah. And then there's just the overall impact that it has, even in our daily interactions. There's just yeah. so many reasons to prioritize yeah. it. Yeah, and we just so need good. To change. Yeah, we just need to start to change the narrative and say, okay, this sleep thing, I understand why it's important. How can I start to really put it on a pro- on my priority list? Yeah, I think I've read some data that sleep is associated with longevity as well, right? Is that true? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, you hear, I think, you know, the, the culture has been that, First of all, it's every area of your health. So insufficient sleep has been associated with poor cardiovascular outcomes. Um, so increased risk of stroke, of hypertension, of you know, heart disease long term. And so you can imagine that that's, there's been you know, strong associations that have been shown. Mm-hmm. Um, there's increased risk of obesity and then the, the downward effects of obesity. So you're talking even sleep apnea, diabetes, mm-hmm. hypertension. So all those um, ailments um, can be exacerbated by lack of sleep. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, and also, you know, a very big one is uh, mental health and sleep. So it's, that's kind of more of a bi-directional relationship. It's not like you become depressed if you don't sleep or if you don't sleep, you become depressed. You know, it's kind of, they both sort of are associated with each other, but then with, um, with, without appropriate, without sufficient sleep, there's a higher risk of um, suicidality, 
um, increased mood disorders. And so all these, of course, will impact longevity um, Mm -hmm. on the long Mm -hmm. run. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So like, what's the number? What's the number of hours that we should be aiming for? Tell us. (laughs) I know. I know the magic number. So, you know, for adults, it's recommended. The National Sleep Foundation really puts recommendations out for the um, appropriate number of hours of sleep, which varies by age. Uh, And so, you know, we infants and things like that, where they're making those really fast neural connections, they're they're growing so quickly, you know, they need longer amount of sleep. So anywhere from 14 to 17 hours for newborns, for instance. And then over time, like teenagers, you're talking um, eight to 10 hours of sleep. Um, In adults, it's seven to nine hours of sleep. So I Mm -hmm. think at minimum seven hours, but more importantly, more importantly than the number of the absolute number of hours is how you feel. Like be honest with yourself. And that's why I feel like sometimes it's a mindset thing. Like, yeah, sure. Um, you have people thumping their chest and saying, Yeah, I get away with five, six hours of yeah, sleep. But yeah. do, do you be be honest? <laughs> you know, yeah, be honest yeah. with yourself, do you? So if you if you sleep seven hours for your it's taking you three alarm clocks or your kitchen zoom like ten times before you get up, you yeah. probably need more than seven hours of sleep. So I think, or if you're, you're, you're sleeping like within those seven hours and you're, you're exhausted and you're like taking so much coffee during the day. So you probably need a little bit more. And so really finding your sweet spot, I feel like it's something that you'll have to try out and see where you land. For some people, they are okay with sort of seven, seven, nine and a half. Some people need those absolute nine hours to really perform at their, um, um, their, their best. Yeah. But yeah. That seven to nine is just the range. So tell us, because I've read also some data where it's not just the total number of hours, but it's the which hours of the night you're actually sleeping in. And I think this ties to circadian rhythm. And certainly when I'm counseling people on um, managing their weight, we talk about like the later you go to bed at night, there's higher risk of nighttime eating, increased calorie intake, weight gain, uh, worsening insulin resistance. And so I really try to get people to kind of be shifting their hours. But is that true? Like, is there data looking at, um, is, is there evidence that says, hey, these are the hours we should really be asleep? I think, honestly, we have different, it all depends on what your, um, there's something called your chronotype. Really, some people are more like an evening type. Some people are more of a, a morning. So you talk about the um you know, the morning lark and the night owl, you know, right, heard. and right, then there are people right. that are somewhere in between. Yeah. And so honestly, it all depends on what those are, those kind of are aligned with your circadian tendencies. So around when are you more likely to sleep? So I think the idea is that, you know, you're going to bed as close to when your body wants to sleep, but then you have to be, if, if we, if we didn't have all these societal obligations, I think it would be fine if you slept when you were ready to sleep. Right. So mm-hmm. if you're more of someone mm-hmm. who doesn't feel sleepy until 11 PM to be able to go to bed at 11 PM and sleep continuously till, you know, like 8 AM or something like that. But then we have work, we have a, a Right. Your child crying and waking you up for breakfast. Yeah. So you have all yeah. those. So you kind yeah. of have to try to almost like fit to what the society's mold is. Um, and so I, I really stare. I, I don't think the literature is, lo- is strong enough to say, oh, you absolutely have to go to sleep at this time um, or this time of the night. I think it's really finding out what time do you have to wake up? What are the, what's, what, what societal obligations do you have to meet in the morning? And then sort of walk your way back um, mm-hmm. such that, you know, if you're someone that, 
you may need to wake up like at 6 a.m. or 5 a.m. Then do the, do the math. If you count back seven or eight hours, then you want to try to go to bed, um, you know, at the appropriate time. Now, mm-hmm. if you do have those, it's hard because then you're sort of fighting against your own um, circadian, your own tendencies, your own uh, morningness or eveningness tendencies, but there's strategies that you can use um, to kind of help you to ensure that you're able to fall asleep at that time and, and that you're able to wake up appropriately. And so, you know, if you're someone who has a very hard time waking up in the morning, um, so maybe bright light, really bright light when you wake up in the morning would be very helpful because that kind of helps set your um, circadian rhythm. Mm-hmm. And then in the evening, trying to avoid bright lights in the evening so that that mm-hmm. melatonin really starts to come up. Um, and eventually you're able to sort of cue your body um, to a time that's ideal. Mm, so interesting. So, yeah. Yeah. The reason why is because, you know, regardless, it's not as if you go to sleep and you sleep and um, essentially what happens is that you go through cycles of sleep. You go through different stages. So you go through light sleep, you go through um, deep sleep, um, which is kind of part of your non-REM sleep, and it's called stage three, and then you go through REM sleep. And so you kind of start to cycle through all that. Um, and then in the, what we've seen is that in earlier in the night, you have more sort of slow wave sleep which is that deep sleep. And then in the evening, um, sorry, later in the, in the night, you have more of, or earlier of the morning, you have more of that REM sleep. So you don't want to lose on both ends because slow wave sleep has its incredible benefits of restoration and um, um, rejuvenation. And then your REM sleep is really important for like things like your mood and memory and things like that. So both ends. Mm -hmm. Okay. You don't want to miss it. So, okay. This is total aside, but with those different types of sleep, um, you know how they talk about like dreaming is associated, associated with a certain stage of sleep. So I never dream. Like I, I want to be someone who dreams and I just, I'm not. Does that mean I'm not getting good quality sleep? Like, what does that mean? Is that bad? You, no, no, you absolutely do dream. You just don't remember it. We all dream. And because the reason why is, so again, going back to those sleep sleep stages, so non-REM sleep, you, 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 you do dream in non-REM sleep as well, but you do have a lot of more of those um, vivid dreams in REM sleep. But when you're cycling through, um, those stages of sleep, you actually wake up very briefly. You have what you call an arousal and everybody wakes up in the middle of the night. Everybody wakes up around five times or so. So be, waking up in the middle of the night is not abnormal. Mm-hmm. It's just that you can easily fall back asleep and you probably don't even remember that you woke up. It's so mm-hmm. brief. Mm-hmm. But if you're somebody who wakes up fully at the end of your sleep cycle, then you're more likely to remember your dream. Okay. So when people say, oh my goodness, I don't stop dreaming. I have so many dreams. They're so vivid. I constantly remember my dreams. They're probably waking up more. Interesting. Um, yeah. So they remember those dreams, but um, you, you probably sleep so well that even when you have those arousals, you're able to just continue and enter your <laughs> new cycle of sleep. So that's good. Well, one thing I would say, I, I encourage people to do sometimes what you can do when you wake up in the morning is to just lay quiet and just think and usually you'll start to remember just think parts of your dream it's Mm -hmm. it's so cool yeah yeah yeah. okay I'm gonna have to try that if my kids (laughs) if my kids are not screaming at me um okay I loved how you mentioned mindset because I think 
like really the, I think the biggest challenge with sleep is often mindset, right? Like, have you heard of that term revenge bed, bedtime cr- procrastination? Like that concept that people are just like taking revenge on the fact that they didn't get their me time during the day. And so they stay up late, even though they're exhausted just so that they can get their quote unquote me time. Um, meanwhile, sacrificing the sleep that they really should be getting to restore themselves. So how do you help people with that? If they're like, just not able to get to that motivation to go to bed on time. So one of the practices that I encourage um, people to do, even teenagers, is write, try to think about, you know, a few days when you've had really bad sleep or when you've not slept enough and kind of reflect on what your day was like. And then look at sometimes when you've had really good sleep or when you've slept well and try to compare it. And just see what those benefits are in addition to understanding that, you know, sleep is playing a big role. See what your function, your interaction with the, with the kids were, your interactions. Like we're all, we're all like two-year-olds <laughs> when we don't get enough sleep. What, yeah. your, what are yeah. your interactions at work and what, you know, your, your pain threshold and your, you know, your energy level has been like. I think it's a lot of that um, sort of looking at, at what that is and looking at the cost. Um, of of not getting enough sleep and then kind of just shifting and saying you know what I'm going to commit to this Um, usually what I would recommend is try go test it out just try give yourself the 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 opportunity to sleep really well for about a week and every day when you wake up at the end of the day just write about what you felt your energy level kind of like scale it like on a scale of one to ten what did that feel like over those ten days and sort of compare it and so I think when you're able to see, wow, it's, it's really crappy not getting enough sleep and even your productivity as well, especially if you're at night, especially for our younger kids who may have or you are, are, are school age kids who have tests or teenagers who have like tests and things and you're trying to cram it all in the night before. Sometimes all you need is a good night's sleep and then try to relearn those concepts. You find out, I mean, science has shown um, that you're able to remember things better. You're able to make those connections, you're able to learn new concepts better. And so a lot of it is really being true to yourself and seeing that, you know, I'm, I'm actually cheating and depriving myself of all these mm-hmm. benefits when I don't mm-hmm. get that sleep. So that's, that's the, I think that's the work that needs to be done. Yeah, absolutely. Know? I'm just thinking for myself, like I know that I feel so much better when I get good sleep. And that, and yet every night I can identify, like my brain is fully lying to me when it's like, no, no, you need to get this done. No, you need to stay up. And like, I'm not productive at that time. Everything yeah. is slow. It's inefficient. And I, I, I recognize it's a lie and I, I need to sit down and like do that work. So I love that. Yeah. That's, that's really good. Um, okay. So tell us your top tips for optimizing sleep. Like what are the practical things that we need to be doing? So I would say the first thing is the consistency. Again, remember, we have this circadian rhythm, which is, it's, it's responsible for a lot of functions in our body. It's responsible for when your, your body starts to make certain digestive um, juice, um, proteins, and your, um, you know, your body temperature. It's responsible for when you, you eat. It's also responsible for when you wake up and when you sleep. So it's kind of very aligned to your um, to the night and day cycle. So mm-hmm. when you're very consistent with your bedtime and consistent with your wake time, you're essentially cueing your internal clock um, to do things at the right time. 
Mm-hmm. So your body is not like, okay, is it time for, should I start secreting melatonin? Is it daytime? Is it not? You know, and then at, right. at, in the morning as well, it's the same concept. And usually what I recommend is that consistency should be on the weekends as well. So you mm. could sleep in a little bit, but try not to like overdo it. So maybe about two hours or so from your typical time during the the week. Um, but you don't want to be like someone who wakes up at 6 a.m. on the week on the weekdays and then on weekends you're sleeping till 12 noon. That definitely just shifts. It's like you have jet lag. Mm-hmm. Okay, you're traveling right. so many tra- time zones. Um, so I think the consistency is important. I think that I would say also for um, for us as, you know, women, um, I feel like one important thing is establishing a routine. Um, the reason why is we are on that go, 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 and our brains are telling us, listen, you didn't complete your to-do list, especially if you're super driven. Totally, yes, yes. <laughs> you're like, list. you were supposed yeah. to get this done. So, you know, we're so hard on ourselves. Um, but it makes it hard for our minds to wind down for, to sleep. And so then we're, if you don't have a routine and you're hopping from your computer straight into bed, your mind is still running that marathon. And so it makes it hard for you to sort of, you know, get in and get your brain ready for sleep. So mm-hmm. I think having a routine and whatever that routine is, I usually will encourage two or three calming activities that heads in the direction. So for you, if it's a bath, if it's a nice soak, if it's a meditation, if it's reading a book quietly in bed, um, if it's prayers, just really find something that really starts to tell your brain it's time for sleep. I think that really helps kind of take down, take the edge off. Um, Another one I think is really important is um, also having eliminating devices and things like that. So our, our technology is in bed with us. And unfortunately, um, our beds have become our office space. It's mm-hmm. become our dining room. Um, mm-hmm. It's become our place to worry and, and get it all done. Um, so the, the, the technology piece, I feel like with your iPhones, your iPads, your laptop, the TV, video games, and things like that, what it does, it, it, it releases the blue wavelength light. And so that really tricks your brain into thinking it's daytime and then your brain does not secrete the melatonin, which is a sleep hormone that you need. And so then, you know, you're not able to fall asleep. And then the other piece are the notifications, you know, or the group chats or the social media or something that you're seeing before bed, which then just kind of creates this strong emotional response and makes it hard for you to to really get down and, and sleep. So that's another one. Um, caffeine is a big deal too. Mm-hmm. Um, and try to eliminate caffeine. I usually would say limit caffeine to don't take it after one or two p.m. Mm-hmm. because caffeine has a very long half life, mm-hmm. and so uh, what that means the half life is anywhere from four to six hours. So if you took some caffeine at four p.m. or six p.m., you took some iced tea with dinner, um, it's still in your system at ten p.m. Only maybe fifty percent of it is metabolized once it's time for bed. So it's in your system and it deprives us of um, slow wave sleep, which is something mm-hmm. we need um, to grow, which is something we need to really get um, rest. And so I think those are some important key um, strategies, I think, that we can implement yeah. to help us sleep well. Yeah, so good. Okay, so I know that there's lots of parents listening and who perhaps like me have young kids who wake up overnight. And I know you work with children. So are there any tips that you have for parents to help their kids sleep yeah I think so those habits also are really really helpful for kids the routine yeah. is 
especially. I think the issue is we're pretty good with routines for our kids. And then we as parents are like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to plop into bed, you know. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but I think routine, having a bedtime routine is really important because one, kids and us are creatures of habit. And so really having that consistency is important. If your child is waking up frequently in the middle of the night and they want to get into the covers with you and it's all fun and good, except they're kicking and you can't get any more sleep. I think it's really trying to set some boundaries at the beginning of the night. It's really hard to set boundaries in the middle of the night when everybody's Mm -hmm. exhausted. Mm -hmm. So really trying to set those boundaries to say, listen, this is your bed. This is where you're going, you know. Um, you'll see me in the morning, really setting those boundaries, um, I think is helpful. Um, and then maybe if they, if they do stay in bed and if this has been a long standing problem you're trying to tackle, sometimes having a little reward system to say, okay, you know what? If you stay in your bed, there are no monsters, I promise, whatever. Mm-hmm. In the morning, guess what? You get to choose what breakfast you want or you get to pick out the cereal, you know, something really small that they can then look forward to in the morning. Mm-hmm. Um, is also is also a very helpful strategy. I would say though, I would mention a lot of kids end up, um, a lot of families are not aware that um, about where caffeine is found. So caffeine is not just in the sodas and the coffees, but like you know iced tea and 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 some of these drinks. So you just have to make sure that they they're not getting caffeine as well because that can disrupt their sleep and then they wake up and then we have this vicious cycle. Right. Right. Yeah, that's so good. My four-year-old wakes up at nighttime and hasn't figured out how to pull his covers back on him. So he'll just lie there and be like, mom, just to go back and put his covers on. So we're trying to train him on that one. Okay. That's so good. Um, Try to tuck in the covers or something. Yeah. Yeah. Oh boy. Um, Shift workers. What because lots of I see lots of nurses in my practice Mm. and shift workers and it's so challenging and they feel like it's not something that they can they have any control over so do you have any advice there I know it's it's really hard and and it's um it's a it's a big problem especially when you have shift workers who are parents and maybe have younger kids um I think the key is trying to prioritize sleep as best as you can you should still aim as much as possible for, you know, the recommended number of hours of sleep as much as possible. So the way I suggest doing this is we'll start with what can you do before your shift? What can you do during your shift? And what can you do after your shift? So before your shift, I recommend taking a nap. Um, and so really what that does is because essentially you're, you're working against your circadian clock, your body's telling you it's time to sleep and the environment is like, let's get to work. So for you to be able to perform optimally, it might be helpful to take a nap before your shift. When you get to work, those are times when you may consider you um, drinking some coffee, especially if you're having a hard time to get going. And then when you get to work, really exposing yourself to bright light, um, because that way you're kind of keeping that melatonin suppressed. You don't really need to be groggy, groggy and sleepy during your shift. As your shift is starting to kind of come to an end, that's time to start to avoid too much of that bright light. So essentially we're sleeping what we would do um, during the, you know, if you were on a regular um, schedule. And then the important thing I would say for your own sake, for your health is after your shift, go home, go home. Mm-hmm. Um, online grocery shopping, whatever you need to do, just go home, take a warm. Usually I would recommend getting some really big um, um, sunglasses because you want to avoid bright light, right? Oh, you interesting. Avoid yeah. Bright, yeah. You want to avoid bright light on your way home. So 
get get some good shades on. When yeah. you get home, have a routine. So take a warm bath. Um, keep your room nice and quiet. Of course, because it's daylight, you may need to wear um, a sleep mask and get a huge do not disturb sign on your door. Mm-hmm. And go to sleep. Yeah. And go yeah. to sleep. Um, yeah. And sleep as much as you can. You may need to, um, and, you know, get the help of people, your support system to say, listen, this is my time. I really need to get that sleep in. And so that's really what I suggest in terms of shift work. Yeah, that's so helpful. I love the sunglasses idea. It's so practical. Um, okay, so last couple questions. And this was not in my list, but I just thought of it. So not medical advice, but your opinion, CBD oil. It's so popular now. So many people taking it before bed. Can you just share your thoughts on that? So yeah, that's a, that's a, it's a hard one. A lot of the, you know, kind of like integrated medicine and kind of looking at this as a holistic, naturalistic approach. I mean, when people say it's helping them, I'm okay with it. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say the evidence is not enough to recommend it. Okay. But some people literally swear by it. They try it. They feel like it's beneficial to them. Yeah. I think it's fine. Yeah. Um, I, I, I just think that the some of the studies that I've that have been done um, looking at like your sleep architecture and the quality of sleep that you're getting. Um, it's a little kind of, um, uh, you know, it's, it's something I would just take with caution in yeah. terms of, especially if you're going to use it long-term, we just don't have enough studies um, right. in the literature to recommend it. Right. Um, I think the, the only other piece I would say is why are we needing the CBD oil? It's really getting again back to not just putting a bandaid over what the problem is. Mm. Um, it's why, what's going on? Is it anxiety? Is it mm-hmm. pain? Is mm-hmm. it mood disorder? Is it depression? And it's really trying to address those. Is it the kids mm-hmm. <laughs> that are not sleeping? In which case, yeah. gallons of CBD oil may not help. You know what right, I mean? So right, right. Yeah, <laughs> really yeah, trying yeah. to go back to why? Why do I need it? Am I anxious at best? And what can I, what natural strategies? Is there meditation I could do to calm myself? Do I need to do some journaling? Do I need to practice some mindfulness before mm-hmm. going to bed? And really seeing if we could stay clear of this additive, especially when we're not really sure what the long-term um, impacts are. Yeah, that's great. Okay. I, I said last question, but then I lied because I have another question. <laughs> <laughs> this is so good. Menopause. That is the other category of people where I find that they really struggle with their sleep and they're waking up at two, three, four o'clock in the morning and they can't get back to sleep. That's a really common complaint that I hear. So mm-hmm. do you have suggestions? Well, I mean, I know that sometimes with like hormone replacements and things like that can help. Um, again, one of the things that I hear from, you know, of course, because uh, I have, I take care of the kids, but sometimes the moms mention is you know, sometimes it's the hot flashes, it's the discomfort. Mm -hmm. So one of the things I would recommend also looking into is what your environment is like when you have that awakening, when you wake up and you're having a hard time sleeping. Are there changes? Are you hot? So it turns out that our body temperature drops significantly as we go to sleep. And for us to promote sleep, our body, our temperatures reach its nadir sometimes close to the beginning of the morning. But if you're extremely hot if you're uncomfortable sometimes that's something that can um, make you wake up Mm. and so what I it's assessing just look at your environment is there light is there discomfort is there noise am I is the temperature of the room so if you need to I would suggest making sure that your room is nice and cool um Mm -hmm. 
sometimes people say things like 65 degrees, 67 degrees. It all depends on what's comfortably cool for you. Um, so that's one practical thing I would say you can easily look into and try to address. Yeah. If you are waking up and you find out that you're just in bed and now you're getting this frustration where, oh my goodness, the day's going to start. I can't right. do this. Right. Your mind now starts to race. Yeah. Just get out of bed. It's hard. It's hard, especially in the winter when you want to stay under your really hot blanket. (laughs) Get out of bed, go sit somewhere and just like do something boring. Because now it's like you're now fully awake because those thoughts are now like running a marathon in your mind. So get out of bed, do something boring, do read a book. Um, get away from your phone please don't send emails or just decide okay I might as well get started on my on work or whatever Mm -hmm. so really avoid anything that's going to be more jarring and so do something boring read do some really boring maybe um you know laundry or something something that just really is boring and sort of mindless and then once you start to feel sleepy come back to bed Mm-hmm. So that's something practical that I recommend. Um, if you need to journal, if you need to get your thoughts, I call it a brain dump. If you need yes, to get your thoughts yes. on a piece of paper about like all yeah. the things you need to do, just write it down. And so there, it's there. It's not going to go away. You are dressed right. in the morning. Um, right. So those are just some practical tips I suggest. Yeah, that's great. Awesome. Okay. Last thoughts before we wrap up. Is there anything else that you think we need to know? Well, I always say when we prioritize sleep, we radiate our inner brilliance. And the reason why is we have so much potential as women. We have, you know, the sky is our limits or not even, you know what I mean? But Mm -hmm. sometimes we're showing up less than our best selves when we don't prioritize sleep. So um, imagine how much you're getting done. Imagine how much of the world you're already conquering as you are. But if you get a little extra sleep, imagine how far that would go. So I want us to start to think around that, think about that. It's doable. Sleep is free. You don't need to pay for it. Everybody sleeps. Organisms sleep. So it's time for us to get started on our sleep journey. Yeah, I love that. You radiate your inner brilliance. I think that's amazing. Thank you so much. I I feel more motivated to <laughs> prioritize my sleep. I'm going to do that challenge, that one week challenge and just assess how I feel when I make it more priority. So thank you. This is amazing. Where can we find you? Where can people find more information about Restful Sleep MD and what you're doing? Yes, absolutely. So I, um, I have a, I'm on Instagram, Restful Sleep MD. Um, I also have a Facebook page with the same and I also have a YouTube channel. It's um, Dr. Funke Brown, where I um, put out weekly um, sleep material for kids, for parents on sleep. And then on my website as well, uh, restfulsleepmd.com. Um, I'm working on a course um, where we'll be talking about how we can get our teenagers to sleep better. And so you'll be on the lookout for that if you subscribe Amazing. to my newsletter. Um, I have a cheat sheet. So I mentioned some of the important pieces of um, healthy sleep habits that we can adopt easily for the whole family. So I actually have a um, a, a worksheet with, with that all listed that you can go straight into your inbox as well as any anything else that I'm up to. Amazing. Okay, so everyone go check out Dr. Funke Afolabi Brown, Russell Sleep MD. So many practical tips today and she's got lots more available on her website, on her newsletter. So go check it out. Thank you so much. This has been amazing. I've, I've like had so many questions answered. I think it's really valuable. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. It's been fun. Thanks for joining me today. If you enjoyed listening to the High on Life podcast, 
please take a moment to subscribe, share, and review it on Apple Podcasts. <laughs>